This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi there, welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth, a space created solely for women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the details. In this episode, I chat to Maria and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Maria is also a birth trauma resolution practitioner, so I will include her the links to her social media pages in the show notes in case any of you guys need to reach out. I hope you enjoy this episode. So thank you so much for agreeing to pop on to the podcast to tell me about your stories. Do you want to just start by just giving us a little introduction? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Cork. So my name is Maria and I'm a midwife and um, I'm a practitioner of birth trauma resolution. So I love anything to do with mums and babies and support mammies and so that's my real cup of tea. Um, <laughs> and I'm also a gentle birth instructor as well. So I'm really interested in positive birth and supporting mums have really good experience as well. So that's my uh, me. <laughs> and was your first pregnancy planned? It was, yeah, yeah. So um, I suppose for like nowadays, I was, I was well, I was 28 when I got married. And um, yeah, it's a baby, that little Adam came along then. So he's six and a half now. And um, the was planned, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so did you use like, did you use um, ovulation trackers and all that? And No, we were lucky enough now. I, I got pregnant quite easily. And um, yeah, thankfully there was no kind of, need to really just within a few months which was great yeah okay yeah and how was your pregnancy how did you feel throughout so my first pregnancy I would have got quite bad morning sickness Um, I remember I went to America to visit my brother and I was only about eight or nine weeks pregnant and it hit me like a ton of bricks when I got there and I was so sick I remember on the plane and over there Um. so yeah I had quite bad morning sickness and the heat I just didn't agree with me so when I was around around eight around 18 weeks then and it stopped thank god okay. it was great um, but oh yeah overall I did a very good pregnancy really yeah um, and just what general... was your model care what what hospital did you attend and did you choose to go public semi-private or private yeah so I um, went with initially with the um community midwives team in the coom and um that was my I remember the minute I found out I was pregnant I got downloaded the form <laughs> rinsed it off <laughs> um so um, I went down to the satellite clinic in Nace, which is brilliant. So I yeah. uh, attended it was only up the road and it was brilliant. So I had midwife level care all throughout uh, my pregnancy. And then I was 40 weeks, just over 40 weeks, and I 
got cholestasis, very mild, okay. but so then unfortunately had to couldn't be under their care. Now I did receive a postnatally, but um, yes, I had midwife have care really throughout. Okay. And so then your third trimester, how did you feel? Did you feel it like symptomatic of the cholestasis prior to the 40 weeks at all? No, not at all. I remember one day sitting, uh, you know, when you can't really tie your shoelaces when you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I remember sitting on the stairs, uh, sitting on the stairs, tying my shoelace, and then all of a sudden I started to get this itch, and I said, oh, oh, so I kind of knew what it was. And um, so I went up then that day to the coom and I got my blood done. And um, so, yeah, I had cholestasis. So then was um, I offered an induction. Um, so, yeah, so it's very disappointing now about the midwife I care because I loved the whole philosophy of care. And, and, you know, and because I'd got my pregnancy, had been very straightforward, really, you know, yeah. to then. Yeah. <laughs> and did you do any antenatal classes to prepare you for this change? So did you do any hypnobirth? Oh, so you did, had you done the gentle birth at that stage? Yeah, so I, I, um, I used gentle, I had gentle birth, it was like on an iPad, uh, an iPod, and uh, I wasn't an instructor at that stage, but um, I, uh, yeah, I talk, I just listened to the iPod really, like a lot, mostly hypnosis, um, and then but I didn't attend a workshop as such, but I did attend the community midwives and neighbor class. Okay. Um, it, that was run, that was a one day one. So that was very good and yeah. practical and yeah. You had to be induced. How did you feel? So they obviously would have been a complete polar opposite of what you were looking for. So how did you feel then? Yeah, I was. I remember my actually, if I'm really honest now, when I when um, my brother and his wife were actually pregnant at a similar time and they were sitting in the cafe and I remember just crying and I was just so mm. sad and, you know, um, and yeah, it was a huge disappointment around for me and just how informal they were about the induction. That was something that really, you know, whereas when I look back and I probably could have maybe chanced my arm a bit more, but I, you know, at the time was just kind of I went at what they were saying, even though being a midwife myself and being very well informed about it. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I was very disappointed. And, and I remember even being at the community midwives, like, can you yeah. take me back nearly, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was very disappointed. Then, so what do they do? Do they put yeah. you on the drip or do they give you the gel or what was their plan? So um, the evening that I was being going up to the hospital to be induced we went to um I remember a local hotel and had some dinner and it was all very um not like you imagine you know that whole journey up to the hospital and yeah. all of that and um so yeah I went up and I remember just being admitted to the ward and my husband headed off and I was very sad when he was going um and um but then I had to actually Jenbert was really good. I popped that on and listened to that all throughout and um that evening slept really well. And the next day then it was um very favourable for induction and they gave me a prostin gel and then my labour started then. So um yeah, I would say progressed quite well from there really. Um so a few hours later then, say around lunchtime I went up to delivery ward then. And when I got up there, I remember I had seen a lot of inductions as a midwife and um, I, I kind of didn't want them to start the intervention straight away. So I said, would it be OK if um, we could kind of stretch it out for a little while? So I remember meeting this absolutely amazing doctor there. She was so kind. And she said, yeah, no, you just, you know, um, I'd had the frost and gel. And I said, would it be OK just for me to kind of have a few hours? So I sat on my ball and had my nice music and a few snacks. And so this was around five hours, maybe. 
and then it was assessed after that then and then the oxytocin started after that. So I went into a little bit of my own world after that and um, I think for an hour and a half and then I had uh, an epidural then. But just the, I remember the intensity of the contractions, you know, um, when once the oxytocin went up, um, that, that kind of just, you know, not getting that break in between your surges was so intense. But I coped very well, I would say. But um, after about an hour and a half, then I had an epidural. <laughs> and did they um, have to, because um, I've heard, I spoke to someone else and she's, she had the cholestasis as well. And they had to yeah. do bloods before um, they could give her the, the epidural. Now, I don't know whether that was just due to the consultant that she, ha- that she had or whether that was protocol to do that. Did they have to do that with you? Yeah, so I had bloods as well. They did it, I okay. think, just to, um, yeah, just to see if they still been elevated. And yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we had to do the bloods and then did them postnatally as well. Okay. So then, so obviously you felt massive relief then after the epidural. I did, yeah. And, you know, um, I, I think part of this point for me about having the induction was that I had this idea of having this, you know, really natural birth. But actually after having an induction, I had a much more balanced view of it because, you know, um, that like and all about having all the tools in your toolkit like and if that is an epidural or you know just being really open to what's yeah. available so it actually was um to have experienced it you know I would have been very much as I said having this idea of having a really normal uh, physiological birth and um and so actually having an epidural in some ways it did make me have a more balanced view of it you know yeah, that you, it, yeah. you know when it can be the really the right thing for you and for me it definitely was because just with the induction you have that had a, a lot of intense um contractions and not having that break in between and um so it was for me it was definitely the right thing at the time yeah yeah for me definitely it was that in real intense it came on really really quickly um, once the oxytocin went up and um, I think unless you're really well progressed in labour before you know or really favourable before your induction starts that you have a kind of shorter labour maybe in that case it's easier to manage but yeah you know gas and air did time me over for a good parts of kind of two hours but um, you know again it was just that intensity of the, the contractions really was a big thing for me. Okay so how did you go then after the epidural did things slow down? So, um, no, I remember actually when they were signing the epidural having the urge to push and, um, All right. but, but I think that was actually just the effects of gas and air, a little bit high on gas and air. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they're like, no, no, you're not, you don't need to push. And, um, so I think I am, I, well, I suppose being a midwife on myself, I knew like if I, that it was really important for me to change positions as well. So I made sure to turn onto yeah. my side and not to sit in one position all the time, you know, but I remember I had a really nice sleep actually after I got it. And, um, and then I think after three hours, I, Gavin or Adam was born then at that stage. So it was, um, I suppose just having a bit of knowledge myself, I kind of knew, well, I'm just, it's important for me to keep changing positions and not be sitting on my back and, you know, to allow that, that, that space for the baby to move and get into a good position for labor. So, um, but it, to be honest as well, the parts of it is it's still, I can't remember certain details of it because yeah. I think from the gas and air as well, I just was a big fan of that. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a few little, like whereas my husband could probably tell you letter by letter, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know actually, but hearing their perspective, I interviewed a couple a few weeks ago 
and here in his perspective as well, like he was pointing out things that that his partner had no recollection of, which was funny. yeah, I know, yeah, it's gas, yeah, they and they could like I find that as my husband could tell me even what time certain things happened. Or, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So how was Adam? Um, was there any intervention needed then? No, no. Thankfully, um, my I suppose the the pushing stage was about an hour, and um, so I was. I remember asked to could I push on my side for a little bit as well, and um, no, he was uh, born naturally. Yeah, so he was okay. big. He was um, eight eight when he was born. So yeah, <laughs> healthy, healthy baby. Healthy baby. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did have some perineal injury, um, but I think it was as well, maybe, I, I, I'm which I would know for myself from not being in an upright position for delivery as well, and, you know, lying in your back here as well, and things like that. So, um, so you're limited at the time with the epidural. Um, so, but thankfully, no, didn't need any. Um, I did have to have some suturing after delivery. I went to okay. theatre um, to have some suturing then. But had normal delivery as such which was good so was adam with dad then when you went theater he was yeah and i remember actually okay. before we went he was doing skin to skin that was really nice yeah lovely yeah so but yeah no he was with um yeah for for about an hour or so okay back then yeah and how was your postpartum journey how did you feel in the days afterwards so yeah, I suppose I was running on high really for the days afterwards. Um, I, you know, was just, um, I remember being really itchy though after the epidural and, uh, and I remember I could have slept for like two or three days flat <laughs> after it. Um, but um, I actually loved the hospital. I loved like getting my dinner and being yeah. looked after and your tea and toast and, um, and you know being really proud when my husband came in with the car seat and heading home in the car and uh, I remember my mom had she'd done such a beautiful job in the house the house was absolutely gorgeous <laughs> and she had everything so nice and um had the fire lighting and so it was really lovely to to come home to um yeah. so yeah no I, I was and I loved those initial postnatal days you know um and uh you know when the midwives came I loved the kitchen midwives coming and just you know I really felt really well looked after by them they're absolutely brilliant so yeah I really enjoyed those initial few days definitely and did you decide to breastfeed or bottle feed I breastfed yeah and how yeah. did you get on there so I got on good I mean um but like before I would have been giving people advice around breastfeeding it was very textbook whereas actually when I had it myself now I give much more practical advice but I remember one day I was going to my mom's um, and um, Adam had um, a big growth spurt and I, I kind of, I ran one of my friends from work and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with, with Adam, he's just, well, it was actually a growth spurt. So now I always make sure to say to mommy's about growth spurts. Yeah. <laughs> because it's oh, like yeah. a different child for, for that day. So we didn't make it to my mom's for dinner. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. I actually used to love sitting down with my breastfeeding pillow and on my lovely snacks and I actually really loved it. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, Adam like fed and fed and fed. He's really, really hungry little fella. But um, I think just especially with your first baby, you're you just I just really enjoyed it. You know, you didn't have to be anywhere or do anything. Yeah. And I actually lo- absolutely love that baby bubble. I must say. No, but it's nice on your first when you're when you're breastfeeding because, as you said, you don't have to go anywhere. There's no pressure, and you can literally just 
yeah. binge on Netflix with your snacks and just give baby whatever they need. Yeah, I mean, I actually really love that time, I must say. And, um, you know, I really embraced the whole baby bubble, which was great. Yeah, you know, yeah. I loved it, I must say. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. So then when did um, you decide to try for baby number two? So baby number two, I was in the middle of um, studying. Oh, no, I know. Actually, when I had, was pregnant with Adam, I was uh, have been studying. So, um. Yeah, so we I always wanted a little bit of a gap um between our children. So um so then Gavin when Adam was born he was well, sorry, when Gavin was born he was um Gavin was nearly three, so it was a nice little gap. Um so yeah, I I I suppose when Adam, when Adam was two we kinda of said, Oh maybe we should start thinking about it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe number two. And then we're again we're very lucky, you know, conceived naturally and everything, which is great. And how did you feel throughout that pregnancy? Yeah, I actually had a, a good pregnancy. The I suppose the morning sickness I knew how to manage it better and you know, I always had like but I remember early on like I was eating like big sandwiches, <laughs> making sure I didn't get hungry. That was a big thing for me. If I got yeah. hungry I'd feel sick. So I always had like snacks with me and I was really well prepared for it. And I remember cold water, crackers actually hummus I loved as well um and uh they were my big things now in pregnancy but I think it just once I had those snacks with me I was fine and now I did still have more sickness for what didn't last as long or wasn't as intense thank god but no overall I had a really good pregnancy I must say and were you still working so were you back in the were you in the hospitals at this stage were you I was working in the community yeah so okay but I know it's back working yeah yeah so no, I had a really good pregnancy, just at around 38 weeks, I got sciatica um, and I actually went for craniosacotherapy, which I found absolutely brilliant. Um, okay, brilliant, yeah. And it just was the way I think um, the baby was lying. So once, uh, and I did a little bit of um, kind of stretching and pregnancy yoga really helped as well with that. So, um, and actually it kind of, I went for a bit of physio then as well. I got a support belt and all that, but um Thankfully, that all, you know, it was very manageable, which was great. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And at this stage, had you um, started to deep dive into gentle birth a little bit more or was that after your, your second pregnancy? Yeah, no, I was definitely using it more. Yeah. Um, but I still hadn't trained as an instructor at that stage. I was, um, I trained later on after Gavin was born, but yeah, no, I was definitely using it much more and was really like, um, kind of keeping more in touch with the whole gentle birth community as yeah. well. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I absolutely like found it brilliant. I must say, and I was really, really calm throughout it all. And I went for reflexology, and actually in both pregnancies, I went regularly to this amazing reflexologist, and uh, I went um, at least like once or twice a month, and then I went like once a week. Then towards the end of my pregnancy, oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah really good. And so, what were your first signs of labour um, with Gavin then? Yeah, so my neighbor Gavin, I remember my mom was always bringing me swimming, so she was great. She'd be like, um, every day she'd be saying, let's go swimming. And I'd reluctantly go down, you know, when you're waddling down to the pool. Mm-hmm. But it was actually so nice. And I used to love that feeling of weightlessness off your bump and, you know, having a nice swim. Um, and um, so about a, for, for about a week, I was having cramps. And I remember my sister-in-law came um, and uh, she'd actually... She'd actually only had her little baby a little while. And um, I, she brought lovely raspberry scones and uh, I remember having a lovely chat with her. And then that evening I was going up to Dublin and um, I started to get quite strong cramps on the way up. And uh, but when I, I kind of said to my mother-in-law when I got up there, oh, you know, I think my birth is going to probably, probably head in now tonight around 11 or 12. My husband was working at the time. And I remember she made me lovely scrambled egg and toast and it was like heaven and sat down and had a cup of tea with Adam. And um, so I brought Adam up to bed and I read him the first story that was grand and the second story I was kind of getting a bit uneasy. <laughs> and I went to the bathroom, I had a show and um, then fairly quickly then my labour kind of, it was like I was really, really comfortable being at home and it was literally like a switch went off and I kind of knew I need to, it's time to go, you know, the kind of thing. Yeah. So I got into the car then and my waters went uh, in the car then. <laughs> Did you have your so, black sack on the, on the seat? <laughs> oh God, yeah. No, I didn't. My poor mother and I came out with all the, with all the towels. And um, so I was kind of kneeling in the back of the car and um, my my father and I said to him, maybe we should call an ambulance. He said, oh no, no, well, he knew, he knows something really bad. So we said, oh, we'll get you there. So we drove through a few back roads and things like that. But we got as far as Crumlin Garden Station and um, 
I just said, oh no, he's, he's maybe definitely coming now. So, um, and by the love of God, there was a fire brigade ambulance across the way from the guard station. And they, um, I think they just thought he was in labor and kind of, you know, were like saying, are you okay there, love? And I was yeah. like, no, baby's coming. And I was kneeling and three surges, Gavin was born. And um, so it was actually he was born in the car about two minutes away from the coom. So. Oh, God. <laughs> But um, it was really, really calm. Like, I remember it was kind of late into the evening, so there was nobody on the streets or anything like that. I remember it was raining, and the rain was kind of falling on the, the car and, and just a little light on in the car. And my father-in-law was at, um, at my head, um, at, you know, in the car, outside the car, and then the fire brigade. Um, and they were really nice. And I remember after uh, Gavin was born, he said, are you going to call the baby Andy or Brian? They were the Andy's men. <laughs> and so... Um, I remember he kind of, they kind of so Gavin was born and they kind of brought him into the ambulance and I didn't really I kind of half heard it's a boy you know so I hopped yeah. out and I remember I had this big long coat on me kind of to maintain my dignity a bit <laughs> but the car was actually spotless it was amazing oh, right. you know because I, I was really embarrassed after I was like oh god I hope the car is going to be okay but actually it was it was fine um I um had jeans on and I just must have all went onto jeans and my washers went and the car was actually spotless so it was amazing I, I thought they had to do a big clean did you um birth your placenta as well then no so no I didn't no so um after Gavin was born I hopped into the ambulance and I remember Gavin was all wrapped up in blankets and his granddad was holding him so I, I took all the blankets off and put them skin to skin and um so yeah so poor little Gavin I'd say it was a little bit startled without everything how quick it was but no, then I had my, my placenta then um, was in, in hospital then. That's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then what um, happened then when you went, how did you get to the coom? Yeah, so the ambulance was up to the coom and when we arrived at the door, I remember them saying, how many weeks are you? And I was saying, oh, no, he's, he's still here. <laughs> he's here now. And um, then I went up and I remember I, I was nearly more of a wimp. Um, when I got into hospital, I think kind of the shock set in a little bit. And I was definitely yeah, shocked. Because my husband, um, I asked the midwife her name about 10 times, I'd say. <laughs> and um, so then I had gas and air and I kind of remember just shaking a little bit. But um, that was very brief. Like, I actually felt amazing. I was like, oh, my God, it was so psych. I remember feeling like I moved mountains after. It was just the most amazing feeling. Um, that, you know, everything had just been so calm and straightforward. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously it didn't plan it, it to be in, in the car, but... <laughs> You know, it was amazing. Like, I just was so delighted with myself. But I was really happy to be, be looked after then at that stage, you know, and, and just making sure that Gavin was okay and everything was well. And so it was very reassuring, actually, meeting the midwives then. Yeah, yeah. I'd say say it was a relief when you walked in the doors and you, you knew you were in the right place, do you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it was really great, yeah. Um, and, but no, I very, like, I... Oh, he had a small graze. I didn't need any. I just needed a very small suture. And um, okay. but the big thing I remember from that labour was that I was kneeling in all fours, and um, yeah. because I'd had a third degree tear before, I was so conscious of of that. Um, that I, I I literally um was kneeling and just blowing. I wasn't even pushing, or so it was purely just the position I was in. That he and I was just so so glad that everything went so well. Um. And uh, it was all so straightforward, so it was great. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Because it, it, the position that you birth your baby definitely has um, a part to play in 
yeah oh definitely yeah yeah absolutely like because when you're upright in labor like you know increases the pelvic outlet by 30 percent so it's massive really like so um i was just but actually, I if I actually wouldn't budge, you know, like my body was like, do not budge from this position. Do you know, I remember the, the ambulance driver saying to me one stage, can you turn onto your back? And I was like, no, I wouldn't budge, you know, it's just in that position, that was it. <laughs> yeah, and thankfully you said no, you just kind of went with whatever your body was telling you to do. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And Gavin was age 14, so he's big fella as well. God, yeah, he's another gorgeous, healthy baby. God. I know, yeah, yeah. God, does Madge think you didn't tear on him? Oh, yeah, no, it was amazing. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Like, um, and I really so do put the same. Recovery, sorry, after your recovery after the third degree tear, I, I've, from, I've heard it's quite tough. So it must have been great to know that you didn't have to go through that again. Oh, no, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was just so, like, I, I, like I'd say, I'm, literally straight away, I was like, okay, I'm ready now to go home. To yeah. But because Gavin was born outside the hospital, I just need to stay in for three nights afterwards. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it was all very positive. It was great. <laughs> and so did you, were you um, more eager to go home this time around? Uh, rather than because remember you're saying you enjoyed just you enjoyed being there the last time but, but because you felt so good um and you were probably get up and about rather than with the epidural you probably weren't as active did you feel like you wanted to get home earlier yeah I mean I was ready to go but then the fact um because he's went outside the hospital and he needed to just make sure he'd no temperatures or anything after he was yeah. born and so I stayed in for three nights then but um I was actually really lucky because I was not I, I went public again I was with the midwife team as well and I was on a six bedded ward, but there was nobody on the ward actually. Just me okay. in a six bedded ward. So I was very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so it was yeah. like having my own room nearly. And um but no, but I was really happy again. I I I, I love the hospital I said, getting the food and <laughs> I made my own little nest there. So and uh, and again I was really like well prepared with all my nice snacks and I'm all about eating, especially like when I'm breastfeeding it. I remember I had a big be crave for dark chocolate and tea and with all that stuff up there. It's <laughs> a nice combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, breastfed Gavin, yeah. Um he was a little bit more tricky. I definitely think he had a little bit of a tongue tie, but I kind of persevered and um but um yeah he and he was a totally different baby like he was um a bit more unsettled and just whereas Adam would always settle after a feed, whereas Gavin wasn't too fussed about feeding. He like he obviously would settle sometimes, but whereas Adam it would always settle and whereas Gavin was a bit more tricky to kind of figure out what was up. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, again I loved the whole breastfeeding um journey. Um but they looking back on it, they did have a little bit of a tongue tie. Um okay. but he you know, we figured it out, got there in the end, <laughs> which was great. But I remember just uh, being able to feed on the with the rugby hole on the right side, because it just was a little harder to feed on that side for some reason. Okay, and did it feel was it was it painful to to feed with the tongue tie? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Um, it was. I remember the right side. He definitely it was. Yeah, because um, I didn't like get a diagnosis on that, but I just felt his tongue was a little bit tight and. Um, but I just said I'd see how, and within a kind of week or two, it kind of settled. So it might have just been very mild, but, um, you know, it was, yeah, definitely on one side was definitely, remember, I was a bit sore on one side, but, 
again, I suppose just being midwife myself, I kind of knew all the things I had to do and yeah. and got there, you know. And I knew I could contact like patients, but I just said I'd see for a week or two how things went, and you know it all thankfully went well. <laughs> yeah, those first that first week ten days can be pretty tough on your nipples. I think we we, we all. Um, well, not all of us, yeah. but a lot of us experience that. It can be hard work for the first few days. It can, yeah. And you're like, you're all your... But again, I think being second pregnant as well, I had all the bits with me I needed. And yeah. knew what I had, so I was a bit more prepared. Um, great. And I knew that the, the, my, that the breast would heal up well. And, you know, which was good. But um, yeah, it's definitely getting that right support. But I think being second baby kind of really helped me a lot too, because I... I said all the head all I needed to um, to get through it all. So it's good. And so just to, I really want everyone to hear about what you're doing at the moment. So just want to chat about what you're up to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, last year, uh, well, in 2019, I trained as um, a birth trauma practitioner. And so it's been some of the most rewarding work that I, I've done to date. And so I, over the last few weeks set up their trauma support Ireland and um, because you know a lot of women weren't getting access to services and um, so I just felt it was really important to set up kind of a group so it's been going um over the last uh, few months and um been getting good feedback about it and it's also was having a big community and the big thing for me with the group is that women feel validated and heard in their birth experience that's the biggest yeah. thing for me because uh, a lot of times with birth trauma, women can feel very alone. And particularly in Ireland, we have the kind of saying of, you know, aren't you lucky Do you have a lovely, healthy baby, but you have a lot of mums then that feel disappointed or guilty or, you know, resentful about their birth and they don't really know how to, to talk to anyone about it. So it's about giving them the space to, to share those experiences and also to give useful information too within the group. Um, and okay, the big thing so, for me as well yeah. is that the difference between postnatal depression and post-traumatic stress disorder as well is that differentiation too um, and kind of those key features because for some women they may think that they have uh, postnatal depression but actually are experiencing birth trauma and so it's about making raising awareness around the difference that's a big thing as well. And what would the key differences between um, postnatal depression and birth trauma be? Post, obviously they're they're different but I don't, I don't have to put this in I'm just I'm just curious myself um, oh what yeah so yeah the, so the key differences would be women who've experienced birth trauma can have flashbacks and um, they can be triggered by kind of events places people and their hypervigilance as well as another one so they find it really hard to be away from their baby and they can have an underlying low mood but it's it's those kind of anxiety like heightened anxiety hypervigilance flashbacks yeah. as well or in, in birth trauma that make it quite different as well um so that's a big part of it for me is raising awareness about this because the assessment tool we use for postnatal depression sometimes isn't picking up women that have post-traumatic stress disorder you know i've had women i've met as well that aren't reading the threshold but i just from the insight of having birth trauma could see that they were clearly experiencing birth trauma so okay. that's where there's a big gap you know and so how wh- why did you feel like this was something that needed to be needed to be created where did you see 
um, obviously when you were you're, what you're saying there um, is picking up on it, but did you see like an, it needs to, needs to be sorted on a much bigger scale? Yeah, I definitely did because, um, you know, women that I'm meeting, like within the community setting, if they've had a really difficult birth, I found like a few weeks later, you know, they they were really sad or really disappointed. They didn't know who to talk to. And um, and again, sometimes their, you know, their GP is giving them some maybe advice and information around counselling or um, or they're kind of not reaching the threshold for, post, for postnatal depression. And um and again, it's for you to bring, raising awareness in the area too. Uh, and part of what I use is a, a PTSD questionnaire, which was developed by a psychotherapist, um, Jenny Mullen, who were trained with. And so I would use that as part of my assessment for um, to see, you know, if the woman is experiencing um, a PTSD rather than postnatal depression. Yeah. Um, and the key differences in that assessment, you know, as well. So, no, I think that there's huge gaps um really for birth trauma in Ireland for women you know there isn't a huge amount of people trained in um in post in PTSD or birth trauma um resolution or in birth trauma support so I think it's a huge area to raise awareness um in because so, so many women feel really alone in it they don't know who to turn to they don't know who to talk to about it so I think it's a really important area to raise awareness about and I think you're right in saying that um, our culture was maybe that you, that you just say, well, sure, you're lucky to have a, a healthy baby. Yeah. And I think the big thing I would love to do is that women can actually talk about um, birth trauma in a more open way because so thankfully now women can say if they're experiencing postnatal depression or, you know, it's still obviously a very private and personal matter, but women can talk about that more openly, whereas like um, birth trauma it's it's uh, still a really silent thing that women are experiencing every day in Ireland. I'll actually link your Facebook page in the show notes so any of the women who are listening can uh, go and be a part of your support group. Thanks a million Cora. If you'd like to share your story you're more than welcome to you can pop me an email to irelandsbirthstories at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram or on the website irelandsbirthstories.ie 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.